Hey, this is Glory Every Day, and I'm so glad you're here. I'm your host, Kayla Turner. Join me each week as I talk with a friend about how God is at work in our lives for His glory. I love to tell stories, laugh, and accidentally cry often. My hope is that hearing these conversations will encourage you with fresh eyes to see how God is at work in your own life for His glory. Because whether you are cleaning a bathroom, working at your computer, or having coffee with a friend, God can be glorified in all of it. I am sitting here today with my new friend, Michelle Layer Rahal. She and I connected over a year ago, I think. We were following some similar things on Instagram and connected and have kind of followed each other from afar for a little bit. And then uh, recently connected a little more deeply in realizing that we have some similar passions and some overlap and some things that we love to talk about and and share. And she is an author. She has published a book, and I'll let her talk a little more about that and some of her projects um, in her introduction, as well as things that we get to during our conversation. So, Michelle, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Oh, uh, okay. Uh, first of all, Kayla, thank you for having me on your podcast. Absolutely. Enjoy listening to it. Um, so I am uh, a first-time author. I live in uh, Oakton, Virginia, which is just outside of D.C. I grew up in the Buffalo area. Uh, my background is uh, radio news broadcasting many, many years ago, and that led into uh, um, education when I switched uh, career choices. And um, then from there, I went on after teaching in the elementary schools to um, being a, an online education writer. Uh, and then I worked for two uh, local school districts and did some consulting with the U.S. Department of Ed and um, wrote for uh, wrote educational articles. And later in life, I just had this this calling to really turn my attention toward God more. And so my writing has taken that turn. I worked at my church as the youth and uh, adult ministry director, and um, and now I've written a book and I blog and. My life really revolves around glorifying God. Yeah, I love that. Tell us a little bit about your first book that you've published. Uh, well, I'll give you some background okay. story with that, which was I had no intention of writing a book, mm-hmm. but I was at church one Sunday, and um, we would often have uh, parishioners get up and give minute for witness. Mm-hmm. And this particular Sunday, we had an Asian woman uh, stand up. And she spoke about her uh, childhood growing up during the Vietnam War, watching her father executed in their backyard when she was 11 years old, mm-hmm. um, being raised by an abusive grandfather after that, uh, just a horrific childhood. And then her story of escaping uh, Vietnam by boat when she was 18. Uh, and afterwards... I was so moved by what she said because through it all, there was this joy about her. Mm-hmm. And I thought, how could someone go through something that tragic mm-hmm. and still be so upbeat? And so I approached her after the service, and I really wasn't sure what I was going to say, but mm-hmm. the words that came out of my <laughs> mouth were, I want to write your story. And then I just started laughing, and she started laughing because those were not my words, and I felt that God had put them in my mouth, in my heart. And over the next five years, I would continue to run into her at church. She would occasionally visit because she was away at seminary. Okay. And um, and we would 
hook up every, I don't know, six months or so. And Mm -hmm. after about five years, Michelle, God told me in prayer that you're supposed to write this book. So let's do it. So it's her story. It's her Mm -hmm. story of oppression to redemption and how God was ever so present, even in those tragic moments. And I think what the reader takes away from the book is that um, we are all more than victims of our circumstances. And even in the most desolate moments of our lives, God is with us. Absolutely. I have a few questions about the process of that. And okay. they may or may not feel like they makes it like that they're that important to people. But I just really love the intricacies of the way that the Lord works and tells stories and relationally. So my first question is the church I come from, my background doesn't have, do you call it minute for witness? Yeah. Okay. And, and my church doesn't either. I'm Presbyterian. Okay. But it was something that our pastor started mm-hmm. to do. He okay. thought it would be moving to have some of the congregations mm-hmm. stand up and say, how was God working in their lives? Mm-hmm. And yeah. And it was all planned. Okay, that's what I was going to ask. It wasn't, so it wasn't like she just stood up one day. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, yeah. Okay. That's how. Yeah. And then, so over the course of five years that you guys, that you weren't really writing, you were just meeting with her. Were you guys just developing a friendship or were you actually learning parts of her story knowing that you were going to write it? Or was that just kind of in the back of your head? Tell me about that relationship. Yeah, that's a great question. Um, because of my background in uh, journalism, uh, I approached the interview process as if she was a subject, you know, I was was trying to get all the details out of her and I could be quite pushy (laughs) (laughs) and and men would, um, I want to say she would clam up on me because she was not quite sure she could trust me, Mm -hmm. even though she felt that God had said the story needed to be written, Mm -hmm. but, um, she was not willing to go into those deep, dark places with me. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so it took um, about a year mm-hmm. for us to kind of get into a rhythm of me asking her questions mm-hmm. and her responding a little bit more fully. Mm-hmm. But then in 2014, I had a stroke. Mm-hmm. And Min's background is uh, she used to be a nurse. And so when I had a stroke, she kind of stepped up to care for me. Mm. Um, uh, not that I asked her to, right. but that camp, that compassion yeah. um, and that caring attitude came out. Mm-hmm. And so during my year recovery, we built a friendship wow. that had not existed before. And yeah. so when we started reworking the book a year later, um, she was much more open. She trusted me more. And I was... I think more gentle mm-hmm. <laughs> in my approach to asking sure. her questions. And so we really built a bond mm-hmm. in that, in that third year. Mm-hmm. And, and then the stories would flow. We prayed a lot. Um, we cried a lot. Yeah. And, uh, uh, parts of her background that she had buried, mm-hmm. uh, came to the surface. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and she said to me after, after that whole process that, it was more freeing to sit there with someone who she knew and trusted yeah. and relive the story mm-hmm. than it would have been had I not had the stroke. Mm. Wow. Yeah. Wow. God works in mysterious yes. ways. Well, and even when you were saying earlier the theme of 
the book itself, like I see the application and truth of that in your story and that, that like you are not just this victim of a stroke, but that the Lord used it in your relationship and in, in being able to write her story. That is beautiful. Amen. Yes. Wow. And, and, and I'll even expand on that a little bit more. Yeah. Um, after the stroke, um, it was my prayer to, to, to pray to God and thank him for it, mm-hmm. believe it or not. I yeah. felt that I was being called to thank God for the stroke. Yeah. And I didn't know why at the time, mm-hmm. but I, I thanked him continually. And now looking back, I see that was necessary yeah. in order to break that wall down with men. Mm-hmm. My mother uh, then had a massive stroke and she passed away a couple of years ago be- with her after her third stroke. Yeah. And I thought that also gave me wisdom mm-hmm. into how, what she experienced yeah. and what she went through. So that opened my eyes even more. And I think, you know, that the stroke for me was a blessing. It, yeah. it, I would never have wow. thought so at the time, but right. it was a blessing. Mm-hmm. And um, I have since had an MRI um, again oh, to check yeah. on my brain. Uh-huh. And there is no evidence that I had a stroke. Wow. So God's amazing. That, and how long amazing. was that time difference from when you had the stroke and then you had the checkup MRI? Uh, five years. Okay. Yeah. 2014. And then I had it in on the last stroke or the last MRI in 2019. Yeah. Okay. Wow. Wow. That's amazing. I know. So it makes me think, you know, James 1, 2 says that we would consider it pure joy, my brothers, whenever we face trials of many kinds. And so I know that we can say that often in moments that don't feel like trials. Yes. And so, so much of the work we do, and we talk about this a lot, um, I feel like especially in our women's ministry context at church, but I feel like often just even my husband and I will say, you know, doing the work when things are quote unquote easy prepares us yeah. for when it's hard. Because if we just run to the Lord or we just run to the truth and things when it's hard, we're just grasping. But if we're, if we're deeply rooted and we've done the work in season and out of season, then we are better prepared. And not that we're ready for hard things. We're never always ready for hard things, but, but then we're, we're rooted in a way that allows us to press into that. And so it makes me think of, there was a time specifically when I was on prayer team, this was months ago. And, and some, some, some personal work that I've done in the last few years, I feel like I have gotten there more where I'm trying to say, thank you, Lord, for these trials, because he is doing a work in us. John 15, that he is pruning us, that there's fruit to be born because of it. And so like with that understanding, like I want to be able to press in and and be thankful. And so there are moments when that's easier and there's moments when it's harder, but I can remember one Sunday and I could, I couldn't even tell you who it was or what they'd come up and ask for prayer for, but I remember it was something really challenging and really hard. And I just remember in my spirit feeling so led to thank God for their trial, but also conflicted between like, I don't know if they're going to love me thanking God for it, you know? know? And so it just acknowledging that, right? Like I, I remember, I do remember acknowledging that in the moment, like, Hey, I know this might feel weird, but God, like, I know that you are doing something. And so thank you for this. And thank you for what you are doing and will do. And we, we want to stand on faith and trust it. But in this moment, like, would you grow that gratitude in us? So, and it can, it can feel weird. And we do grow. We do grow through those trials. That's how we conform to the image of Christ. Yes. And we can use those trials to help others, Mm -hmm. right? They're, they're they're really a blessing in disguise. Mm -hmm. They are. And sometimes it takes us a while to get to where we can say that. 
but mm-hmm. but he is at work. So I'm curious when you were talking about being thankful for it and, and praying that, was it is it an often articulated prayer? Because I think we can do both, or is it mostly an attitude in your heart that you just carry around gratitude, or is it both? I think it's both. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I pray out loud to God every morning, mm-hmm. so okay. I did articulate it. Yes, um, but uh, but yeah, the, I. I would say the closer I've grown to God, too, the more um, the more my attitude is one of gratitude. Yes. Right? Yes. So, so it's so it's yeah, it, it's both, Kayla. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was just reading a lot. I was this morning. It struck me in uh, Colossians three. 16, I think, and that like it talks about encouraging one another with with singing songs and hymns. Songs and spiritual. Yes, and it says, and with thanksgiving in our hearts. And so that it's both those things, like with thanksgiving that we are grateful in our prayers and we speak those things, but also like so that it takes root and that our hearts are walking around grateful um, that that becomes yeah. an attitude in us. So one of the things that you said earlier was that the words just came out of your mouth. When you asked men, you said, hey, I want to write your story. And you were like, ah! Like I didn't, I didn't know that was my thought. And those words just came out of your mouth. And when we met last week, you told me about another time when that has happened to you as well. Yes. It's interesting to me how God will have me speak. And I didn't play on those words. Um, Another time it happened was um, we had a group going uh, to Haiti on a a new mission um, venture to work with uh, several uh, poor schools mm-hmm. in the Jacmel area of Haiti. And because of my education background, uh, the woman who was uh, heading this venture asked if I would come along. And mm-hmm. uh, I said, no, I didn't feel that God was calling me to that. And quite honestly, I had never been on a mission project. Uh-huh. It was not It was not in my uh, background. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the idea of going to Haiti kind of frightened me. So... I'm not quite sure if it was no from me or no from God, but I said no. Uh, And I said no each time she asked, which was several times. (laughs) And then one day at church, our missions director approached me and said, so I heard that you told Emmy that you will not be going to Haiti. And I said, that's right, but I will be going. (laughs) (laughs) And she looked at me and I looked at her and I said, I don't know why I just said that, but I'm going to take that as God speaking through me, and I have to pray about this now. Hmm. So I did. I sat yeah. and prayed, which I you know, hadn't done before. Right. And then I felt that God truly was calling me there. Mm-hmm. And and that leads to something else. Yes. <laughs> which was when I got there, um, you, know, you have the language difference, the cultural difference, um, I didn't feel safe at times. Yeah. It, it's an, it's, it's a, you know, they don't have, um, the security that we do here in America. Yeah. So it's, it's a little, it can be frightening out in the, in the boonies, you mm-hmm. know? Um, but we worked with these three school districts, uh, with lots of interpreters down there and, um, the kids were just precious, just running up and hugging and wanting to hold, you know, hold your hand and touch mm-hmm. your white skin. And, yeah. Um, the first time I was there, there was this little boy who just followed me around. 
And I went back six months later, and he was looking for Aww. me again. And he just followed me around. And um, and he looked so, uh, so much more disheveled than six months okay. prior. Uh-huh. So I started inquiring about him. And um, I learned that he was the youngest of nine children. Mm-hmm. And his parents had both died. Mm. And so he had been placed in a home in this very rural district, not anywhere near where he was raised. But mm-hmm. this was an elder family member, a single older woman, mm-hmm. who who agreed to take him in, in in exchange for him helping her. So it was mm-hmm. uh, so he he just looked so forlorn to me, and my heart broke. Yeah. And um, and that night, I just felt God calling me to do something. Mm-hmm. So um, to make a long story short, um, over the next six months, I, uh, I had him moved into a, uh, uh, an orphanage, mm-hmm. which was also a school in an orphanage, a Christian school mm-hmm. orphanage that would um, raise him mm-hmm. and train him and educate him. Yeah. And he is now 18 years old. Wow. And he is beautiful mm-hmm. and he is precious. And I think, um, you know, God brought me to Haiti to care for him yeah, uh, and to give him an opportunity. So I am very uh, excited to see wow. what God will do in his life. Yeah. Are you still in contact with him then? I am. Okay. I am. Very yes. cool. Very cool. Yeah. There was another time maybe with college ministry where you found yourself. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I have a, um, I wake up every morning. My, what, my favorite time to talk to God is in the morning when I'm still in bed. Okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so uh, my husband gets up and gets ready for work, and I just lay there and talk with God for a while. And um, I will get up and I'll I will pray to, to God. Um, one of my favorites is is um, Psalm five three. In the morning, O Lord, you hear my voice. Mm. In the morning, I lay my requests before you and wait with expectation. Yeah. And, and I, I say that and then I'll say, you know, God, give me something to do today for your glory mm. or put someone in my path that yeah. needs to know of your love. And then I expect him to do it. And he often does. But this one Sunday I was sitting in church and I had been the youth ministry director at my church uh, as an interim while mm-hmm. they were hiring um, a couple of times. And we had had a college ministry during the summer where um, someone would teach, uh, you know, five or six weeks college uh, Bible study to the college kids who were home. And he had retired from doing that. He had done it as a volunteer and he had moved. So there was no one doing it. And, um, and I was praying that someone would step forward and do it. Mm-hmm. I was no longer working at the church, um, but I expected someone would do, do it. And I was sitting in church one Sunday and it was already end of June and no one had taken on this ministry Mm -hmm. and I was praying and I said God I've been asking you for almost two weeks now to put someone in my path who needs to know your love or or give me something to do for your glory Mm -hmm. and you haven't and usually you do (laughs) and I just felt you're not listening (laughs) I, I just sat there and prayed a little more and then it was like the words flashed in front of me, mm-hmm. college ministry. Mm-hmm. I, oh, oh, you want me to do that? <laughs> okay. All right. I'll do it. Mm-hmm. 
So I stood up after church, you know, church ended, you know, greet everyone around you, say hello. And I right. turned around and directly behind me were three college students. <laughs> of course. They weren't there when I sat down. Hi, <laughs> you guys. Hey, what would you think about me teaching a Bible study this summer for you college kids? And they were like, okay. I said, how about coming to my house on Wednesday? They said, okay. I said, can you pass it around? Okay. And that was it. And then Wednesday came and I had about 20 kids. And then the following week I had close to 30. Wow. And that continued for the summer. So yeah, you know, when, when God puts those, um, those kernels out there, he expects you to take them. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And don't wait. You just, you just do it. Right. Yes. And, and sometimes, man, I can think of a time when I, you know, the waiting sometimes and dragging our feet on things. I can, a phrase I use with my children often is, Hey, do you hear my voice? And they either say yes or no. Most of the time they're like, yes. And so my response then is, then are you choosing to obey or disobey? Because if you've heard me, you're either, you're choosing one or the other. And so one summer I can remember, um, being, I was, my husband and I were, Uh, helping with the youth for several years. And so we were at youth camp and I can remember this night in worship, um, the Lord was calling me to something and that I felt like I had just really struggled with for a long time, dragging my feet and just kind of getting going with some of it. And I was like, I'm not even joking. The Lord used that line back to me. (laughs) I mean, then it was like, oh yeah, I've heard you and I'm not doing it. So I'm choosing to disobey. And just that it was like, "Mm, yep. But, but his graciousness and all of it. I mean, I think in the same way, in the way that you articulated him saying to you, like, but you're not listening. Like he is not harsh. Like he is a gentle, gracious God that wants, that wants us to obey. And so I'm so thankful for his patience in our dragging our feet or whatever our hesitancies are at times. Yes. Yes. So you, oh, oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, I was gonna say, and he talks to us individually. I mean, the way he speaks to us or through us, is so unique, you know, like I've had those experiences where the words come out of my mouth that I I didn't plan to say. That is the way God is telling me that he knows I will hear him. Oh, yeah. If the words came through someone else, or maybe just that gut feeling that we often get, right? I probably would not pay as close attention. But when I verbalize something that I didn't expect to say, Mm -hmm. I know that that's God. Yeah. And that's fascinating. And I think even pointing back again to how well God knows us, because I think I can think of several people that would say the very opposite, that would say, oh, I don't trust myself, but because I heard this person say it to me, like I believe it. And just the way that the Lord knows your heart, Michelle, and that he would speak to you in that way that he knows it would get your attention. Uh, This feels like the perfect lead in to tell us a little bit about your next project. (laughs) So I am so fascinated um, with how God speaks in unique ways to every, to, to different people. Mm-hmm. And, and I think your podcast talks about that so well, uh, the Thank uniqueness you. of God and mm-hmm. how he is ever so present in our lives. Uh, and so, so I'm putting together a book, uh, that focuses, uh, on, on God's voice. Uh, and it, it parallels stories in the Bible of how God speaks through other people mm-hmm. or, how he speaks in dreams or mm-hmm. how he speaks in visions, uh, how he sometimes appears 
in bodily form or uh, a door opening, a door closing. Mm -hmm. Um, And I've been collecting stories over the past few years of people who have heard from God Mm -hmm. in these different ways. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then there's some unique ones, too. People have heard from God uh, in ways that I would never imagine because Mm -hmm. they're not in the Bible, but but messages coming to people like on license plates <laughs> or on uh, uh, street signs. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the, the vast uniqueness of God cannot, cannot be identified. Mm-hmm. And yet we can certainly try mm-hmm. to show how he's speaking to people and then ask people to think about how might he be speaking to you? Mm-hmm. you know, because I think... It's in our nature to say, well, God doesn't speak to me, but he does. Mm-hmm. He speaks to everyone. Mm-hmm. It's just being open to what is the language he's using to mm-hmm. get through to your heart yeah. and trying to foster that awareness. Right. And one of the things you and I talked about, I think, uh, last week was that those things are so hard to quantify and... and yeah because it feels subjective, but like we do have scripture as our frame, you know? And so like you're saying that you can point back and say, oh, he's spoken this way to people before, or maybe he's not, he didn't speak on a street sign in the Bible, but we know about his character in the Bible. And so God will not speak outside of his character. And so we can always use it to confirm, confirm the things like that. So I'm excited for, do you have a time frame on that? Or are you still just kind of in the work? I'm hoping to have it out by the end of the year. Okay. Um, Because I am going to self-publish it. So I'm hoping to have it out. And the stories, some of the stories in this book are, are mind blowing. I'll just say that. Can't wait. Um, I'll give you, I'll give you a taste of one. Okay, (laughs) please. I would love it. Yes. (laughs) To whet your appetite. Um, I spoke with the uh, uh, chief of the fire department chief for um, Milwaukee, Wisconsin fire department. Okay. And he tells a story of how time literally stood still so he could rescue two children. Wow. And fascinating. When you look at all the documentation, I mean, the the entire rescue uh-huh. in human terms right. took more than a half an hour. Mm-hmm. But in reality, on paper, it comes out as only five minutes. Wow. So Wow. Is he a believer? Yes, he is a believer. Okay. Very cool. And I have stories from believers and from non-believers who have said, this happened to me, but I don't know what it was. Yeah. (laughs) Well, that was God. Right. (laughs) Right. He sees you. Yes. So yeah, it's, Mm -hmm. it's, it's a fun book and I, and I hope to have it out by the end of the year. Good. Well, I'm excited for that. I can't wait. Thank you. Thank you. So one of the other things I'd love to talk about is I have referenced the Enneagram several times. And so I know on several different episodes. And so if you are not familiar with the Enneagram, it is a tool. It is not everything. I think sometimes people have an aversion to it because some people can dive so deep. Um, I, it has been immensely helpful to me personally, spiritually, and just even in my marriage and like being able to understand myself and understand other people. Um, there are nine quote unquote personality types, but the, the beauty and the reason I love it so much is that you, um, you kind of are one number, but not just that number. So like if you take any personality tests, like they put you in a box. But um, the thing about the Enneagram is it takes into account how much varying, how how many 
I'm sorry, it takes into account like the level that you are of different numbers as well. And that sometimes a number goes to a different personality type when they're in stress or when they're relaxed and you have wings and all these things. So it is a little complicated, but I love it so much. But so the point of me explaining all this and bringing it up <laughs> is that you and I are both Enneagram ones. <laughs> we are. Yes. And we're both married to sevens. <laughs> So I'm curious because, so there's also in the Enneagram, there are triads. So because there's nine types, there's, there's triads. Of, so there's three different groups then within that, that they do, they divide and describe the kind of processors they are. And as ones, we are gut processors. So yes. I'm curious, and I'm throwing this at you because it wasn't in your outline. <laughs> but <laughs> like, so <laughs> as a gut processor, how, tell me how writing is either harder for you or how it helps you because of that. Does that, because if you, if you need a minute, I'll give you my answer. <laughs> oh yeah. Give me your answer. <laughs> because I am a, a journaler and more so at different times in my life, but I, in pre understanding the Enneagram and language about it and knowing that, like I knew about myself that things would just kind of spin around on a hamster wheel or just kind of, I would have all these like gut feelings and it's often like frustrations, but if I could write it down, then it caused me to articulate it and bring words to things. And so now I understand it's because I'm such a gut processor that I often just kind of feel one way or another or like conflicting things about it. So I know that like for me to be able to really process something, I've got to get it out in another way, whether that's talking or journaling or something. Does that make sense? That's interesting. I have to, I'm going to have to uh, marinate on that for a while sure. because um, I would tell you my oneness that I hang a hook on is my perfectionism. Sure. Yes. And so as I have, um, uh, because I've been writing for so long, even back when I was a journaler, yeah. I've been a journalist, right. you know, um, um, I, I feel like I've always been writing. Yes. Um, so, but I, but I focus on being perfect with it. And mm -hmm. since I have learned more about myself through the Enneagram, mm -hmm. I don't focus so much on the perfection yeah. as I do on being the best I can in that moment. Yeah. So, but you're asking me where it goes with my gut. I, I would say because I'm so, uh, um, uh, I've, I've been writing for so many years yeah. and I just do it naturally. Sure. The gut part for me, I think comes in when I'm trying to explain a situation. Uh -huh. I, I, I write from a place of gut feelings. Yeah, absolutely. So it's, it can be raw, mm -hmm. which is one of the reasons I think why straining forward, my first book, um, mm -hmm. uh, did so well. Yeah. Um, but I don't know if it, if the gut influences. No, that's writing. great. I, and because again, like we're all varying degrees of different things. And if we, are you a wing nine or a wing two? A wing two. Okay. I am too. Um, so <laughs> just curious if we were like both extra gut or, you know, two is such a heart processor kind of, um, yeah. person. And so that may play into a lot of that too. So talk, just tell me a little bit about what it, what your, your seven and one, marriage um, dynamic yes, is like because your husband is also a seven like my seven which i find very interesting because i've actually met a lot of ones and seven couples really so, 
It must be an attraction. Um, <laughs> I think the the serious oneness yeah. of me, mm-hmm. right? When mm-hmm. when we're in a good place, we we go to the seven, which is the mm. enthusiast, right. right? And they're right. joyful. And yeah, I could not have married a more joyful, happy, go lucky, mm. everything's fine kind of guy. <laughs> You know, I'm going to go, no, it's not. Let's talk about this. It is not fine. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, but yeah, as you were saying, through the Enneagram, um, I've gained a greater uh, awareness of myself and why I respond yeah. to things the way that I do. And um, and it's helped me to be more transparent uh-huh. um, right? because we all have these false um, selves that we that mm-hmm. we put on. You know, we act one way at work and one way mm-hmm. at church and one mm-hmm. way at home. But you know, God created us as one human being, mm-hmm. right? And we are to reflect Him in all that we do. And so, uh, the Enneagram has helped me really just get in touch with who am I? Yeah. You know, who, how did God create me? How do I reflect Him into the world? And mm-hmm. How is He speaking to me? And how do I share that? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I right? think um, for sure. It has and when been- I feel that that perfectionism coming on, I kind of have to uh, push against it a little. Yeah. It has taught me a lot of places that I need to repent and just the way that I hold people to certain standards that are not biblical, but are just something that I had created. Um, And, and myself too, like making things matter that don't. And, you know, we talk about like a golden shadow side to it or resourceful, unresourceful, that there's a lot for each personality type or any person, you don't even have to say personality type for any for, for most things in life, like there's so much beauty and good to come from something, but there also can be a shadow side to that. And so like, while we can achieve and like want to fix things that are not right and make things really good, there is, there's a lot to the other side of that. <laughs> and so, so learning when to say, oh, I made this thing really matter a lot that, that actually maybe doesn't matter. And so I think I want, I mean, scripture in the Lord has led me through that a lot, but I think that's even where my husband has come in and helped ask good questions about like, does this thing, you know, mine, <laughs> a, a way that it, mine can come out often is maybe in housework and certain things that I like to be a certain way. And so while I could say, Hey, that's in the name of stewardship. And most of the time it is right. But we can convolute those. So like, I, I mostly want to like steward the things really well that the Lord has given me, but then are there times when it becomes the, when it, when that comes off kilter and my aim is not to glorify God in my actions and the things that I'm doing, but it's actually like just gives me a sense of control that everything's clean or that things are the way I want them or, you know, I want people to see it that way or, or whatever that is. And so learning to, to be aware of that and, and repent and say, Oh, like my motives were wrong here. I was thinking incorrectly and I need Jesus to come in and fix that, um, has been immensely helpful. Kayla, I am right there with you. Praise God. <laughs> I am right there with you, girlfriend. Oh, man. Um, are you a journaler? Um, I I am a journaler sometimes. Uh-huh. <laughs> it, it, it's more common for me to, um, after I have my prayer time in the morning, to just come into the computer and start writing. Sure. Um, but if I'm hashing something out mm-hmm. that I don't plan to either put in my blog or on Instagram or right. share, then I'll turn to my journal sure. and work it through. Yeah. But I'm not, uh, I'm not a daily journaler. Sure. No. Yeah. And my, and sometimes 
I, I use my journal like as a tool for my time with the Lord. So sometimes it is a lot of me just like processing stuff less and less as I've gotten older and feel like my time frame sometimes for that is shorter and I want to spend more time in, in prayer and the word than journaling out. But more times than not, my my prayers are are like I'm just writing out my prayers again. Like I think the, the actual articulation of like writing it and working through that like ends up being kind of journal prayer ish. And then I actually just take a lot of notes while I'm praying to kind of keep me focused and on track. And it's fun to point back to too and say, Oh yeah, I've been praying for this or this is a prayer that the Lord gave me for it. So I did want to ask you one more thing. We had talked a little bit, you and I did, I had mentioned kind of talking about work and rest because you are involved in so many things at church. You have, you're a writer. So you do a lot of that at home on your time that's, you know, work. And then you also serve and have served in lots of different places in the church. And then a couple of weeks ago on one of the podcast episodes, I talked through like myself kind of working through that and having studied the rhythms of Jesus and Mark, where we see him constantly withdrawing and pulling away and finding space, like being so present and able to pour out well when he was with people and then being able to like, as soon as he could pull away and like rest. And so I do, you know, you could obviously point back to some Enneagram oneness there and like this drive and desire to just keep going and that, that work is best and then you rest. But I'm learning that that is not true a lot of the time. And so you had talked about recently kind of working through some of that too. Would you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, I, first of all, I think to being married to a seven, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, this enthusiast, and plus my husband, I don't know about yours, but my husband is an extrovert seven. Mm-hmm. So he's just go, 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 and rest is not in his vocabulary. Yeah. Um, but but even God rested on the seventh day. Yeah. And as you mentioned in Mark, you know, come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. Mm-hmm. And, and that was a directive. It wasn't do you want to go somewhere right. and get some rest? It yes. was it was a, not an order, but it was a directive. Come mm-hmm. with me. Yeah, it says, and I think it's right there. He says they couldn't even eat. They couldn't even eat because yes. people were coming. Come down. with me. Yes. By yourselves. Yes. You know, so don't take a group there. It's going to turn into a party. <laughs> Come with me by yourselves and get some rest. Mm-hmm. And and that resonates with me because I. I will try to keep up with my husband who wants to just go, go, go and do, right. do, do. But a few years ago, um, and it was uh, after after my recovery from the stroke, uh-huh. um, I kind of made a conscious decision that, you know, when seven o'clock rolls around, I'm done. Yeah, okay. I'm not going to write. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to clean the house. I'm not going to do anything that is not joyful for me. Mm-hmm. You know, I look at it as work. I'm not going to do it. Yeah. Um, and so my husband has not gone on that bandwagon with okay. me. <laughs> that was going to be my next question. Uh-huh. He knows now when I say it's seven o'clock, I'm mm-hmm. done. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, I'll sit and read a book. Um, I'll, I'll plan another Bible study lesson because I, I do enjoy that. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. I'll do that. And I love to cook. So uh-huh. I'll, maybe I'll cook late at night or, yeah. you know, make something for the morning. Oh, so, okay. You know, those are just ways that uh, fill me back up. So I do get away in my own little world Mm -hmm. and rest. It's important. Yes, it is. Yeah, my so my seven is very high. Also, you know, you you had mentioned that ones go to seven and 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 rest and health, and so I I can I can jump that way with him pretty quickly, but 
if I feel like my work is done, right? Because that's what feels like not rest to me. And so being able to switch those things and, and think correctly about what is work and what is rest and what is obedience and, and those things. So that's great. I love your seven o'clock rule. Um, what, <laughs> but I'm curious, tell me just because I'm curious, like okay. what is, what is something that you make at night for the morning? For food? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I, I love making scones. And oh, because okay. they're so loaded with butter, uh-huh. they actually do well if you let them sit in the refrigerator overnight and oh. bake them in the morning. Okay. And then overnight French toast yeah. stuffed with, um, you know, cream cheese. Uh-huh. And, <laughs> and um, I also make a baked oatmeal. So I'll just uh, make them, yeah. stick them in the fridge and bake them in the morning. Nice. It's good to know. I've been feeling like I'm on a bit of a breakfast slump for ideas. So ah. that's helpful. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you for the cooking I'll tips. send you recipes. Just let me know what you want. Okay. I will take all three of those, please. All right. <laughs> That'd be great. So um, I think you know how we typically close out officially a podcast. So God is glorified in our laughter. He is glorified in our rest, our work, and all the things. So tell us what has made you laugh hard recently. Okay. Well, I had a whole different story prepared until last night. So okay. here's the new one. Yes. <laughs> so I'm still doing the college ministry. Right. So the kids come over to my house on Wednesday nights and, um, we meet on the, on the back deck. And last night, uh, as we were wrapping up, um, one of the kids looked through the, the, the glass door and saw my husband and uh-huh. waved at him. Uh-huh. And my husband, who's, so excited, you know, <laughs> I see him struggling with something and then he comes running out the door and gave this student a big bear hug and, and they were talking and at about the same time, um, my co-leader went to go into my house and she turns around and looks at me and she says, Michelle, does Greg, that's my husband, does Greg often leave his clothes in the middle of a walkway and I look inside the house and there's my husband's socks right there, you know, in the middle, not against the wall or the couch, but right there in the middle of the, of the walkway into the kitchen. And, and I said, yeah, he does this. He just, yes, he, he will leave his shoes and he just takes them off where he, wherever he is. And we both just started laughing so hard. And my husband says, I wanted to hug Aiden and I was, I had to get my socks off quick so I could come outside. (laughs) (laughs) So much energy. He's he's like a squirrel. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) He changes focus like that. And and of course my friend says to me, does this bother you? I said, you know, the oneness in me when we first married, Mm -hmm. it bothered the heck out of me. Yeah. But now I think, no, that's just how God created him, and mm-hmm. it gives me something to laugh about. Mm-hmm. So. And <laughs> that like was the it's, such, a, it's such an example of his joy that he was just going to abandon it to go hug him. That's so sweet. Yep. <laughs> yeah, it is sweet. It is sweet. And, and, and my husband's a sweet, smart, distracted, humble man, so <laughs> we just laugh. Love it. That's so great. Well, thank you so yeah. much for joining me today. Thank you so much. This is just fun. It was great. You, so thank you. Uh, will you tell people how they can find you on social media and your book and those things? Sure. Um, everything's linked through my website, okay. which is Michelle Layer Okay. Perfect. Yeah. That's okay. wonderful. I'd love people to come and sign up for my newsletter and follow me. You bet. I'll, Go do that, I'll guys. Make it worth your while. <laughs> All right. Sounds good. Thank you. Thank you.
I hope you enjoyed the conversation I had with Michelle today. It was a lot of fun. I am excited to tell you that she has given us two free codes to her audiobook, Straighted Forward. I actually have started it as well and I'm really enjoying it. So I'm excited to give those away. And the way that you can win that access code is to go to my Instagram page, Kayla Jean is me. And if you go to the post about today's podcast, episode 14 with Michelle Rahal, if you will like that post and just comment something about the podcast that you enjoyed, you will be entered into the drawing and we will do that drawing next week. Hope you guys enjoy.